Morning. How you, how you doing? How you doing? You doing all right? Doing all right? Welcome to Don't Be the Artist, brother man. I'm Hagen. <laughs> I'm Dave. I'm Adam. And I'm Jackson. Hey, Dave, what's like the Jackson's uh, best in a piece? Prison cell. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and have to apologize for the echo. Uh, hopefully by next week I'll have that figured out because uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for the years we've been doing it, you know that I never live in the same spot for more than eight months. So my eight months came up and I already moved. Uh, so eight months from now, I'm sure I'll be moving again. So well, uh, that's the echoey. Yeah, we can congratulate you on this move, though. We can congratulate you. This is a this is a this is a woo. Yay! This is a go, go Jackson! Yay! Congratulations on the move, buddy. Thank you. Um, hey, Dave, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. That yeah. was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, that was the perfect delay. <laughs> oh my god! Oh no! What happened? Just relax. Can I? Can I do our first news topic? I can uh, I can do I can do my my two first. Um, so, uh, do you guys know the band Five Finger Death Punch? Vaguely, I've heard of them. Okay, so they're a real shitty metal band, and uh, they've been they've been I don't know they've been around for a long time, and they're they're very very well known. Their fans are very uh, uh, into they're, they're very proud of them. Um, so they released a new music video that uh, depicts mask wearers as communists. So here's the description. Yeah, yeah, right. The description of the beginning of the video is that it starts with a quote from Wolf, from Wolf, Ralph Waldo Emerson, quote, fiction reveals truth that reality obscures. And then uh, it goes into a shot of Los Angeles. It has like a shot of like someone who's supposed to be Nancy Pelosi uh, praising mask wearers for being, quote, compliant and then giving them a button with the communist sickle emblem on it. You know, to be honest, I'm fine with that tag. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like a button. Yeah, yeah. where's my button? <laughs> yeah, I'd really like a button too. Yeah, I, it's it's such a such a weird decision, such a weird call to. Uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> why 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 make this video? Why it's so dumb. I mean, it's one of those things where I think that they're just, they know their fan base and it's one of two things. They either are just like their fan base where that they truly believe that or they're thinking, okay, we can cash in on this and really, yeah. So it's one of those two things. I mean, it's a good PR move. It's the first time I've heard of this band. Yeah, it definitely is that kind of a move. But I, I think... Uh, like the music, the music video director had some quote that was basically like, you know, the music, the, this video is up for interpretation by whoever watches it. Like there are some scenes that are like anti-left. There are some scenes that are anti-right and so on and so forth. And I'm like, I, you know, like I understand that a ma- the mask issue has become left or right, but it's just, it's just like to, to, to compare it to communism. I don't know, man. That's a bit of, that's a bit of a stretch. And like, how yeah. did, how did mask wearers end up on the bad side? it's like upside down world yeah well we're not we're not on the bad side i think just people want to paint it that way i did see a funny article or i guess it wasn't really an article but uh cory taylor of slipknot did an interview and 
just said something, or maybe he just tweeted this. I don't remember, but the little snippet that said, if I can wear a mask three hours a night during my shows while I'm running around the stage, then you guys can wear it for 15 fucking minutes in a grocery store. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's fair. Yeah, I was, the, I was the only person wearing a mask on stage at my gig this, this Saturday. Yeah, I was I was the only one on Sunday, and uh, it, it's it's just one of those things. I, I it's so crazy to see nobody still doing it, and uh, no one gives a fuck about it. But I don't think they're gonna start giving a fuck. I think this is this is just gonna be reality from now on. Uh, so uh, to bring us back to a news item we've talked about before, uh, someone that this podcast truly loves. We respect her so much. We have talked about her at great lengths. Britney Spears. Um, so fans of Britney Spears believe that an imposter is in her Instagram pictures that are being posted recently. Oh, the yes, beach Jackson. pictures? The beach pictures, yes. Uh, so I like the way that you just said that the beach pictures, like that's the Zapruder film of <laughs> fucking Britney Spears. <laughs> so the picture in question is a picture of her on her boyfriend's shoulders and her face is covered up in this picture and the body doesn't quite look like Britney Spears' body. So everyone's wondering what the fuck's going on and the hashtag find Britney is now going around. Uh, <sighs> my, my favorite quotes from the people <laughs> on the internet are love how the face is covered because it ain't Britney, but go off. Hashtag fine Britney. Body type is different. Britney's hips and legs are thicker. Also, her midri- her midriff area and the pick are, are, are slimmer. And then another one, of course it's not Britney. They pretend she has freedom, but she has not. <laughs> is it like, like, a th- like a person from the past who wrote that comment? <laughs> they she pretend has she has not. freedom, but she has not. <laughs> She hath no freedom. <laughs> the internet should not be, uh, you know, I guess just like analyzing people's bodies like that. That's yeah, so we, uncomfortable. We should just get rid of it at this point. It's done more harm. <laughs> I saw, yeah. I saw like a, a a pyramid of like, here's the conspiracy theories. If you believe in this, then you're this kind of crazy. You believe in this, you're this kind of crazy, and so on. And like in the middle was like the if you believe if you believe that like avril lavigne was replaced and so on like you're 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 like you're middle of the ground crazy this didn't happen but you believe this and i feel like this is like similar to that like i mean maybe she was replaced for some instagram pictures but that kind of seems like a weird stretch i mean also who who gives a fuck i don't know her dad my girlfriend uh showed me uh that avril lavigne um conspiracy theory just a little too far into our relationship for me to press the eject button (laughs) (laughs) that's a pretty solid theory it's uh you know it's not true but it's a pretty solid it's it's a good conspiracy theory in terms of like here's a lot of work and evidence we put into this it's all circumstantial and it's all synchronicities but it exists and it's fun just as long as you don't actually believe that Avril, Avril Levine was replaced. I tried to read up on that like this actually earlier this week. It's funny that we're talking about this, but I couldn't really find much YouTube. Very quickly, I was like, this is horseshit. It's all YouTube yeah. videos. 
there's like a 15 minute video on YouTube and I assume you were just brushing up on Canadian history or something. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> so in uh, other COVID news, uh, I sent you guys an article about this, but I also sent you a video of it. But the Flaming Lips, uh, Oklahoma band, are working on a COVID safe concert series in their hometown of Oklahoma City where the audience will be placed in their um, famous inflatable bubbles. So if you've never seen the Flaming Lips perform, their singer Wayne Coyne, during one song, will get in this inflatable bubble, like those big hamster balls that you see every once in a while in like field sports. And um, he'll uh, get in that and just run across the top of the audience. So they, I guess, have enough or, you know, whatever they worked out, Basically, they're working on putting everybody in the crowd. And I'm sure everyone at this point has seen the video that's floating around of them doing this. But, I mean, I personally, my thoughts on it are that's super cool. Oklahoma City is like two, three-hour drive away from us. So, you know, if we wanted to go to one of those shows, that would be cool. But also, I'm not slightly claustrophobic. I'm claustrophobic. I think that would give me hives. Yeah, that that sounds like a claustrophobic nightmare. Like I I would be so much more okay with going to the concerts where that's like, here's your square and you're the the square next to you is more than six feet away. Like I would be so much more okay with that than, than being in a fucking bubble. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like you said, Jack, it's it's interesting, but past that, I I would never, uh, yeah, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, I have no interest in sitting in a bubble for a couple hours. Especially to see the Flaming Lips. Like, eh. I, Yeah, I mean, I would like to see them, but not in that context. Yeah, I wouldn't like to see them, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think there's any band that I would really want to do this. If we were talking about, like, this was my only way and I knew it was the only way I could see a band, maybe then I'd do it. But as I said, like if you're stuck in a bubble for two hours, and if I'm claustrophobic, that would uh, be a and fucking. It's gonna nightmare. be hot and. Oh, it's gonna be so sweaty inside Oklahoma. of that bubble. And you're in God. Oklahoma. Yeah, and you never know what happens in Oklahoma City. Am I right? Well, there's Am I right? Probably Nothing. no masks anywhere. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing happens in Oklahoma City. Definitely no masks. But I was alluding to a different thing. I don't think Jackson wants me to make that joke, so that's fine. I don't think he knows what joke you're about to make. Let's just say that Oklahoma City is the bomb, okay? <laughs> there we go! Thank you! All right, rolling on to our next news topic. You guys remember <laughs> that Chainsmokers played a show in Hampton, or what was it, Southampton? Somewhere in the Hamptons. But they played a show, and um, the promoter, uh, this was uh, a, a while back, maybe a month or two ago, and I mentioned it, that they uh, had played a show, and then pictures came out of the show and there was no COVID safety measures, all that kind of stuff. And that ridiculous uh, ticket prices came out. Crazy stuff. But uh, just a follow-up on that story is that the promoter for that Hamptons show um, was fined $20,000. And the town that it was held in cannot approve permits for group gatherings without state approval now. So New York state approval. Um one of those seems like a fitting um, slap on the wrist, and then the other one is like $20,000. That means nothing to them. I, I yeah. seriously doubt anything. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I mean, it's good that they got 
some repercussions from it because you know, and that was that, that was months ago right yeah I, I think that was like maybe two or three months into the pandemic so you know and we're talking about new york i it's that is one of the most heavily afflicted you know states or you know actually i i don't know if that's accurate so i don't want to early say on that, it was but, well new york yeah. city at least was so that's if you want to believe the news and what they want you to believe the shadow puppets they they control your thoughts and everything you wear yeah. a mask like uh, i don't know this is dumb if you're don't, listening don't to this and you, and you don't fucking you think that masks are dumb that's how stupid you sound <laughs> jesus uh, why, why did you times. give us live long and prosper I don't know. I couldn't you... think of a communist hand sign, so I put up live long and prosper. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that would be even close to what a communist hand sign would be. I mean, it it, it fits thematically, right? Does it yeah. fit? Does yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, Star Trek is uh, communist. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> what's the next news topic? What's the next, what's the next thing you're talking about today? So the next uh, news topic, I, I don't really have much to say on because I don't think it's really my spot to say anything, but I thought it was an interesting news topic. I sent it to you guys at the beginning of this week. Um, but uh, Stevie Nicks, she opened up about having an abortion, uh, which she had previously not talked about. And basically what she stated, the main headline from the article was, if I had, had not had that abortion, I'm pretty sure that would have been there would have been no Fleetwood Mac, which I think was interesting. And as I said, I don't really have much to say on the topic, but I'm glad that she's comfortable coming out about that. And I, I think what pushed her to do that is the you know current state of the Supreme Court and everyone's worries of what that means for the country. But uh, you know, I'm glad she's coming out about it. I would say the current state of the Supreme Court, but also Fleetwood Mac is back in the the the, the top billboard again. So. They're an incredibly relevant band already, and now they're more relevant, so she has even more of a platform to talk about this sort of stuff, which is great. Um, I, I, I agree that I don't think that, you know, I, I have I can speak much to the topic, except I think it's awesome that she that she is saying it. Um, and yeah, go go yeah. off, Stevie, go off. Do what you want, and and also, um, just being pro-choice makes more sense. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I think we all agree about that here. I, I would hope we're we do. Here. We're here with the hot takes today. The shadow government makes you think these things. This is all. This is all what they want you to believe. Don't you yeah, understand? It's very, very communist of you, Dave. Yeah. Jesus Last thing Christ. I'll say on this uh, subject is that you know I know that it was a joke, Adam, saying that we're with the hot takes, but you know I think if we come at these things, uh, you know, really calm and level-headed. You know, it shouldn't be a hot take to talk about certain things like climate change, like wearing a mask, like, you know, somebody's right to dictate what they can do and can't do with their own bodies. I don't, you know, it shouldn't be a hot take to say these things. But, and I know that was a joke, Adam, but I yeah, just yeah. wanted to say it. That's just 2020. Yeah, I think the, the problem is that everybody gets offended by everything. So when people don't come in with any sort of level head or even like even if they do come in with a level head, you say one thing that like offends their ideologies and what they believe things to be, then they're then it's game over, you know? It's like if we had a guest on and they were like, Yeah, I don't know, like Coheed sucks. You'd be like, All right, and you're out of the Zoom meeting. You wouldn't do that, but <laughs> We're not doing this episode anymore. Also, I think it's important for us to the um in some ways state where we 
where we are on the spectrum. Um, because I feel like not, not, and it's a weird thing to say, but not choosing a side kind of implies the negative. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, you know, some or a lot of truth to that, but moving on to our next, uh, news article is, I thought this was pretty interesting that, uh, coming off the back of our, uh, subject of last week's streaming that is uh uk lawmakers uh launch launched an inquiry into streaming royalties and the quote from it that i liked was uh that streaming royalties cannot come at the expense of talented or lesser known uh artists so it remains to be seen what comes from this but i I do think it's interesting to see a government in the world a well-known government um you know kind of launching an inquiry to see okay you know is there anything that we can do to make sure that this is more fair whether or not anything will come from it whether this is going to be like whenever you know a year or two ago when we saw kid rock and Donald Trump signed something for you know better pay for artists or whatever and then you never hear anything about it we'll see but I thought it was interesting and relevant at least I wanted to ask you guys a, a question that's related unre- and unrelated to this. And I wanted to bring it up last week, but it, it just there was so much we were talking about. So I think I mentioned on here before, and if not, all of you definitely know. Uh, so I stream video games on Facebook. And I, to play music, I play music that I am a part of so I don't get flagged for copyright. So I played a moniker song once and I still got flagged, which was very funny. Um, like, no, I played on this. This is mine. Uh, but my question is to you guys is that what do you think about people like video game streamers streaming copywritten music during their live streams? Do you believe that they should or shouldn't be able to do that? I think it's no big deal. I think they should be able to. It's like, what are they hurting? Yeah, it can only be good for your music reaching new people. I So... You know, I I do somewhat agree with y'all, but I do want to, this is me just being devil's advocate here. And I don't think I mentioned this last week, but whenever I was reading up on streaming, I found this really interesting, you know, negative that I had never even considered or heard of. But, um, you know, if Nike wants Moniker to be in their Nike ad campaign, then they have to come to us. They have to pay us royalties. They have to pay us for the rights to the song, blah, blah, blah. But if we say, hey, we don't like Nike, we don't want our song associated with you guys, that's end of stories. But nowadays with, uh, you know, the way streaming works is a lot of these brands can do a brand playlist on Spotify, on Apple Music, that kind of stuff. And because of the way that works and there's really no guidelines on it, they could put moniker, Nike could put moniker on their branded playlist and now our name is associated with Nike, and we have no rights to tell them they cannot do that because anybody can do a playlist. So I'm not saying I'm for or against it, but that would be my food for thought for anyone who's like, oh, yeah, you know, what's the harm in it? You know, if yeah. I don't want to be associated with the streamer Ninja, I have no right to say no. Well, so here's, here's the thing with the with the streaming thing. So uh, I, I on on face face value i don't see any harm to be done here because it's just they're playing a song while they're playing a video game or they're just talking to their chat and there's no problem but 
streamers make a fuck ton of money. So this is the problem is that like if you're if if a TV show or a movie wants to use your song, I mean that's a lot of money that they're gonna be making that now your song is a part of, and they want your song to be a part of their money making process, right? So with the streaming thing, I, I found this weird sort of like in between where like I like I don't see a problem with it because like it, they're not like the music is there to just be kind of background. It's not really part of like the thing. But if a streamer is streaming to you know ten thousand people. You know, they're already on a contract with whatever company, so that's paying them a lot of money. They're making, you know, $1,000 in tips a day. It's a fuck ton of money that is being, like, tossed around for them to just play someone's music. Um, so it's just, it's it's a weird, it's a weird in-between for me. And I, I just, I, I thought about that, and I wanted, to, I wanted to ask everyone's opinion, because it is, it is very, it's a hard ground to tell what the right call is. Yeah, uh, you know streaming is it, all this stuff is really kind of hazy and there's a lot of gray area so yeah, it's it still sh- in its it's still relatively in its infancy well yeah, yeah. i mean especially considering that the, the the thing i just gave you guys this this uh, uh streaming video games and music at the same time i mean you have this problem where streaming video games has only become such a popular thing in the last you know five or six years so it's not really a popular thing Right. Uh, I mean, it is. People make a ton of money, but it's not. It hasn't been around for a long time. So, finding the rules, making the precedent, like it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's hard to make that work. Right. Yeah. Oh, and also before we get into the topic, I wanted to bring up something from last week, Jackson. You were talking about how you individually texted us that song exploder episode with uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, and nobody watched it, and and you were upset about it. <laughs> Uh, so Wait, I hold on, hold bad. on, stop, 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 stop. I want, I, I, I wish it stopped right here. I wish that you were just bringing up Jackson was upset and we were no. moving on. <laughs> no, no, no. What I was gonna say is I, you know, I want to apologize for not doing, for not watching it. And then I watched it, and now I want to say fuck you for making me watch that because that was <laughs> boring as fuck. Well, hey, hey, this really leads me into, I don't need to, I requested to go last for um, our, what we're listening to today, Um, and you really just opened the door for me, so I would like to, right now, in the edit, I'm going to give our correspondent, our show correspondent, Olivia, Justice Countryman, I'm going to let you take the uh, stage right here and let us know what you thought, what a real fan thought. Hi, guys. So I just watched the Song Exploder episode on um, Lin-Manuel Miranda and the song Wait For It. And yeah, Jackson was right. That was a really powerful episode. Um, So Song Exploder is a podcast that I've been listening to and drawing songwriting and music experience inspiration from for many, many years, just hearing people go through their writing process um, and kind of getting to see the imperfections that happen in writing great music has been a really strong point of inspiration. It made me feel like the work that I do is not suddenly less than simply because, you know, I don't have the obvious critical acclaim that a lot of other musicians do. Um, And that's not to take anything away from the successes of musicians, especially of Lin-Manuel Miranda and his music director, who I can't remember the name of, um, But there's really something about seeing the slow struggle that is the creation of art. The, I was listening to this, you know, Lynn said he was listening to the first start of that song on a loop. 
and just like living and breathing it for a while. And then it came to him, you know, he had that moment, that light bulb moment. And the light bulb moment is the part that I think that a lot of us think is where the music comes from, that that's the muse, that's when it hits you. Um, and there are those moments. Some of my best songs I've ever written came in a big flow like that, where suddenly I had this idea in my imagination and it came out in a musical moment that was pretty much in complete form from that moment. But I gotta tell you, those moments are, are few and far between all of the other more slogging through an idea times. And I think that is so important to recognize in the work that it is as um, culture changing as Hamilton. Lynn said he was working on that for five years. Five years, like I don't know of anything in my life that I have worked on consistently, one project for five years. Like what we're seeing as a master work is truly the product of hard work, of dedicated work, of long-term work. And I keep saying work. I just think we gotta throw the curtains back on the music and art creation process. This is a work. This isn't something people do simply because you get enjoyment and pleasure out of it. And I frankly have a lot to say about the importance of art creation and enjoyment as a function of just being a human being, not just as a function of being cultured human beings, but just as a function of humanity. But it is work. It is effort. It does take time and toil. And if that isn't a reason to better support the arts monetarily and the people who create them monetarily, well, then I don't know what is. And so I really appreciate the conversation around especially the financial aspects of streaming services, the cost it takes to not just dedicate the amount of time that somebody creates into writing, but, you know, booking a recording studio, paying for mastering, um, even people who make the recordings in their own homes, you know, with home setup systems, as a lot, a lot of people do to, with success. I mean, that takes gear. That takes time. And our time has value. Anyway, I guess that's what I have to say about this. Maybe I can think of other things to say, but I really appreciate, first of all, Jackson, you putting this episode on my radar and the opportunity to talk about it um, with my favorite podcast guys and, frankly, some of the best facilitators of conversations around music and the arts that I experience on any platform. Thank you so much. Thank you, Olivia. That was a great take. I really Thanks, appreciate Olivia. it. Thanks, Olivia. Oh, my God. I can't. I just... <laughs> oh, that turned out better than I wanted. Thank you so much, brother man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, I finished it, and I, I, I watched it with my fiance, and I was sitting there like, why did Jackson want me to watch this? <laughs> See, and I, I still haven't watched it, and I probably still won't watch it. I haven't watched it either. I you know what? I'm not I'm gonna have to talk to you all after the podcast about this. <laughs> I have a gaping hole in my chest right now. But I digress because I have one more news topic before we get into our topic of the day. So Ice Cube, famous rapper, is working with the Trump administration on a plan to increase access to capital for black communities in America. The idea of this program that he's working with, uh, the Trump administration, is to increase funding by $500 billion and add 3 million jobs to black communities in America. Obviously, the caveat is that Trump has to be reelected, uh, which truly no one 
is hoping for, even though it sounds like this is a promising plan, but it is fascinating. Um, and what this will lead into our topic, but it is fascinating that Ice Cube, one of the founding members of NWA, who has the most scathing Fuck the Police song, and it is just like, wow, I can't believe it. But also, you know, once again, Devil's Advocate, it, you know, trying to make the best of a shitty situation and trying to move forward and trying to get some positive change, even though you may disagree wholeheartedly yeah. with the evil person in office. I, I looked a little bit further into this and there's a like video of him saying that he was like, for the record, I don't specifically want to work with Trump. I want to work with whoever's in charge. Yeah. I, I thought he tweeted something out that was like, I don't like Trump. I, I, yeah. I, I in no way would I ever support Trump. I'm not here for that. And it was, it still is a, you know, it's a weird thing, but I mean, I totally agree, Jackson, that I think that, you know, sometimes you have to like, it, this work is important work and needs to be done regardless of the situation. So, um, that, that's what he said is that he reached out to both campaigns and Trump's campaign was the first one to respond. That's, well, that's was literally the it. only one to respond. The only one. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I, I, I understand wanting to work with, you know, whoever you have to, to do a thing. But also, this administration is not going to do that, so I don't know how that benefits anyone. Because they, yeah, they've shown time and time again, you can't just like have someone join an advisory board and actually have anything that matters get done. So, yeah, I, I think that if anything, like if if this goes anywhere, we'll see. Like you mentioned earlier, Jackson, we'll see someone signing a piece of paper and a picture, and then nothing will happen, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, and, and, you know, I don't fault Ice Cube. I don't know the details, like the fine details of everything. So I'm not here saying, oh, you know, Ice Cube, bad or good. It is just more of a, it is very interesting given his, uh, you know, very colorful past of uh, the music he's released and what the statements they bring. Uh, yeah, so, but it, it does make sense that he wants to be involved, though, which yeah, is a bigger part. Yeah, of it, so because these are important, pressing issues, and right. there is no reason uh, why just because you do not agree with you know who is in charge that you should have to wait four to eight years to start making that change. Um, it may be more of an uphill battle than it needs to be, but uh, you know uh, it is an admirable. Uh, effort at least i think it already is uh uh more of an uphill battle than it needs to be i think it's it it 100 percent already is especially when we're talking about it's like literally hopefully at the end of an administration so you know yeah who knows how long he's been ice cube has been trying to do this but yeah as I said, this will lead into our topic. So yeah, ice cube. Uh, our topic. I protest this podcast because I have to go to the bathroom. I'm protesting. I this is my song. It's me peeing. Bye. <laughs> I don't even know how to react to that. I guess there's going to be a quick edit right here. <laughs> All right, we're back, and uh, that was a good protest, everybody. No one crossed the picket line. It was amazing. I'm really, really proud proud of us. Uh, so this podcast today's... still sucks. Yeah, this uh, today's uh, episode is about protest music um, or political music, kind of just under that umbrella is what we're talking about. And, you know, I already mentioned NWA and then, you know, other examples would be obviously Rage Against the Machine, 
but then you have all pretty much any punk band. I really don't know any punk band that doesn't have some sort of uh, political message. Even the uh, more squeaky clean ones like Green Day, American Idiot, does have a political message in there somewhere. And then what about um, Blink One Eight Two? Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good example. Um, <laughs> I can't think of anything political they've said. No. But then you also, not just these uh, hard rock bands we're talking about, you have uh, the likes of Neil Young, who has, yeah, I, I, I would call it, yes, he is a rocker to some extent, but I'd say that his leanings are more folk. And then it all goes all the way over to um, the likes of Marvin Gaye. So protest music is interesting. I can't say I'm huge on it. I remember listening to Rage Against the Machine, but uh, really, you know, it's more of a feeling less than a message whenever I listen to it as a kid. So I don't know. I mean, I do love idols, uh, which is very much a political message or, you know, as not political, but it, it, it has an important message. It's not just uh, talking about, you know, love, blah, 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 typical personal themes. Um, I don't really... I, I think it was interesting to talk about this now coming up with the election, but I really don't think in these past four years with this administration that there has been too much politically charged music, which I was kind of kind of shocked by. I mean, am I missing anything? I think I think I think there's been a, a decent amount, um, but I I think that the the thing is is that as soon as you write a a political song, especially nowadays, the media picks it up immediately, and you're gonna get some insane. I mean, just even just looking at you know bands and artists that have been politically charged before coming out and talking now, you see like Rage Against the Machine, you see Tom Morello posting stuff. I don't know if you if you guys, I don't I don't know if you guys kind of like to do this stuff where you read dumb people comment on the internet because it's one of my favorite pastimes when i'm really bored um but so if you really want to go go look at tom morello's instagram page and just look at his political posts and look at all the people being like oh musician talking about politics stick to music which is great because tom morello i believe has a degree in political science yeah so, he does. yeah and his like entire career is focused on that kind of music right so it's yeah. like if if you're if you're shocked that rage against the machine is writing political music you were not listening to rage against the machine before you were t- like like jackson you talked about the energy that it brings and it definitely brings this like really hyped up energy and it feels really really good and powerful and passionate but if you're not paying attention if you're just feeling the energy if you're not paying attention to what they're what they're what they're screaming about you know then it's it, it is just energetic fun good music i remember being a kid and singing along to uh killing in the name of when he says some of those who work forces are the are the same who burn crosses or whatever the lyric is and i remember i knew every word to it but i never thought about the broader concept Dude, yes i didn't there, know what i was saying there is a there is a video on the internet that you can find, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, that you can find of me 
performing this song as a senior in high school. It's genius. <laughs> I'm I'm the vocalist. And at the time at the time I had no idea. We were just like this is a song in drop D that our band knows and I was going to say fun. baby's first drop D. Exactly. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. And so it, it 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 definitely, you know, and you know, we censored it. We didn't say the fuck word in it. Uh and so it it's it's just one of those things where it's like if you're not paying attention, it's a really fun energetic song. That's something that I thought about too, like looking at some of these songs like born in the usa by bruce springsteen i don't i like that's a protest song but mm-hmm. but like what yeah it's really funny <laughs> that that's a protest song i didn't know that until i started doing the research for this episode i was like oh really yeah exactly and there's definitely like there's there's room for uh when i was talking about like oh it's a feeling which you know obviously that kind of heavy uh really uh kind of um I don't know what you would call it, but that feeling that makes you feel energetic, like, oh, I actively want to do something, kind of gives you a- a- adrenaline, I guess, is what I'm looking for. Um, it worked on me as a child. I knew nothing about the album cover of Rage Against the Machines, self-titled. I knew nothing what that meant. I knew nothing about anything that they were talking about. But it, when you don't understand that, it even lends to issues where there's a divide between the fan base and the artists because I remember, uh, I forgot how many years ago this was, but Paul Ryan, uh, Republican senator, whatever, he uh, was quoted saying that he loved listening to Rage Against the Machine while he worked out. And the band immediately was like, whoa, pump the brakes. You are completely missing the message here, man. You're completely against what we're about. And uh, yeah, I mean, like there, there, it, it lends to that. It's interesting that there's I mean, this can be that divide. I would have to imagine that the machine that they're referencing is some sort of higher political power or you know the the one percent yeah it's 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 in the name i mean it's right (laughs) there it's pretty obvious to anyone (laughs) thinking and i think about it and i'm like uh, you know there 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 are instances like you mentioned nwa i think those songs like like, fuck the police like that that song is clearly a protest song but it's because it says fuck the police in the title so you're not questioning it and rage against the machine sure like that that title implies what we now know the like the 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 meaning of the name is but that title could literally mean anything you could rage the meaning of any- the name is <laughs> you could rage against any machine just going off of that name right anything that you anything that you construe as you know your boss your boss is the machine i'm raging against the fucking machine dude like i i don't i don't my boss sucks that sort of thing but with stuff like fuck the police it's like that's it's that's pretty, pretty it's like pretty pointed. It's it's yeah. It, this is this is a one a one road thing. It's like this is your option. This is it. It's fuck the police. That's what the song is about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to a breakup song and taken something else from it. Like oh, this can be taken on the broader subject, or like you know, a happy song can be sad for someone else. But I completely agree with you, Hagen, that when the song is called "Fuck the Police," like they're like. I, I don't see how you could take something other than that from it. Um, right. Which kind of moves me into what I was thinking about, not specifically Fuck the Police, but if there was a politically charged song today or writing about a specific time or topic, does that date the music? And 
you know, to give a little bit more of an example is, can you listen to a Vietnam War era song or can you listen to an Irish independence song as an American and understand what they're talking about or really connect in the, you know, the way that it's intended, even though you're disconnected from Vietnam being, you know, however many years ago and us not being Irish. Well, I mean, you know, a good example of that could be in terms of dating the song or, or placing it somewhere. It could be times they are a changing. Right. That's still relevant today. Well, and going back to Born in the USA, that's not, it doesn't, we, it doesn't feel like it's a protest song, but it is. And so mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, it doesn't really date itself by just being, you know, it, 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 I guess if you know what it's about, it can kind of date it, but on its, on, on just, on just face value, it doesn't date itself. And even in terms of like notoriety, you know, I mean, protest songs have been going on since the Civil War. It's been a thing for a long, long time. But maybe, you know, one of the first popular examples of it could be Woody Guthrie's uh, This Land is Your Land. And that that was a reactionary song to God Bless America. It was like, look, this isn't this is everybody's land. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I don't know, because we're obviously talking. uh, All of us are obviously on one end of the spectrum here. I wonder, I mean, I guess what you were talking about with that five-finger death punch song, would that be considered a protest song against, you know, the left? I mean, what does that sound like? I don't don't know what the song is about. I I have not listened to it because I don't want to. I watched part of the music video on mute, and then I stopped. Um, so I, I, that, that seems to me like, yes, it 100% is, it can be considered a protest song, but it, it's not the same kind of, and I can't say that it, it, it's just, it's just a different kind of protest, you know, like everybody yeah. has the right to protest in their own way towards whatever they believe. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a different kind of protest. Yeah. I think maybe like back in the day when, you know, uh, watching some of that footage from the original Woodstock, it's an entire counterculture of people that are like rallying behind these artists that are making uh, protest songs. You mentioned Vietnam. It's like that's what they were protesting was Vietnam, and they don't. It doesn't make sense to them, and they were being drafted and stuff like that. And it's like uh, an entire country was reacting to it. It's like nowadays, even though the administration is fucked, um, it's like everybody knows it. So it's there's not a, an entire group of people that are rallying together to have these big events like Woodstock. Because the rally doesn't have to exist anymore. The rally's no. on the internet. The rally's exactly. all on Twitter. There's no there's no reason for anybody to flock to some kind of thing to physically rally behind when we can all just yell from our computers about what we believe in. We don't need uh, the, the the songs or the bands to, to, to help us with our message when our message can just be out there because everybody talks and everybody, you know, everybody is supposedly heard. Or yeah. Could it's be. more individualistic now, your own protest. Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue that the, you know, what I was talking about on dating a song with, you know, listening to a Creedence Clearwater uh, song, uh, you know, is that dated because, you know, it's a Vietnam war era song. And I would say, both yes and no that works for it because you know it can take me back to uh this idea of um if we were as a nation or as a world to get back in a similar position like that it's that whole idea of like history repeating itself 
and giving you that frame of reference of like, okay, here's what artists were feeling then. It's not an isolated incident. What can we do differently, maybe? And then also, um, you know, as you were saying, like there are so many Dylan songs that are protest songs that are, you know, blowing in the wind, times are changing. And it's just all of this kind of stuff that, yeah, they're polit- they're political, they're protest songs, but they're not so on the nose that they're not enjoyable. Um, and you can show your kid uh, blowing in the wind or something like that. And, you know, they don't have to think too much about like, oh, what is the singer talking about? Because it's a good melody and it's it's very, you know, it's simple. Yeah, you were, I think you were referencing Fortunate Son, right? The CCR song. Like, I didn't know until, again, until doing research that that was a, a protest song. I had no idea. Yeah. So I think that's the thing is like, as artists, these these people can dress the song in a certain way that doesn't date it. But then it's, you know... There's a spectrum. It's like if you're Ice Cube, you want the you want it to be that on the nose. But maybe if you're CCR, you don't want it to be that out there. So so here's the thing with that. So first thing I'll say is that like if you're dressing your protest song because you don't because you don't want to date it or you want you want to make it more like accessible to the world or whatever, it's like are you really writing a fucking protest song then? You know, like yeah. don't don't try to don't try to 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 cover up what you're trying to talk about. By making the music more whatever, but yeah, don't, be a, Ice Cube, don't be a coward about your opinion. It's yeah. inherently coward cowardly to, to try and mask it. But speaking of speaking of Ice Cube, I found a list of uh, uh, the top thirty anti-Trump songs, and Ice Cube is on here with a song <sighs> called "Arrest the President," and every single song on here has a little quote from the song so the quote from the ice cube song is arrest the president you got the evidence that n-word is russian intelligence when it rains it pours did you know the new white was orange so that's just one of the quotes from the song but again he said he just wanted to work with whoever would work with him but but again he still is doing he still is doing what he was doing you know back with nwa he still is doing this sort of like outward this is and i haven't obviously i haven't listened to the song i'm reading about this now but like i'm sure the song is good and he doesn't care at this point if anyone's gonna like it he's gonna put a song out that he feels especially in this climate that he feels passionate about so i do think that like the 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 test of time is very very important because it, it it does tell if yeah is this a good song or not but then also it tells like maybe this like, was this intentionally supposed to just be a protest song? Or is this like maybe someone cashing in on, on the fact that there is something to write a protest song about and they're going to do it? Yeah, I mean, he there, he's nothing if not consistent. <laughs> I, yeah, Ice Cube. I, I don't I don't think Ice Cube is anything like I don't think he's any, any one of that. But like, is there could there be a situation where someone is cashing in on on a protest song because they easily can? Yeah, and I I wonder because Dave, you were talking about that you didn't know that fortunate song or yeah, fortunate son was a, uh, a Vietnam War song. Um, I wonder, and is that kind of to its credit? Because you know I can't think of any massive protest songs that are very on the nose, saying like, hey fuck george w bush or something you know as like just not uh, mincing words like that other than like maybe fuck the police but even that like fortunate son compared to that 
one of those is i think more popular well and if you're talking about like if you, if you were talking about like a fuck george bush thing then no and fuck police doesn't isn't that uh but like there were plenty of george bush like dixie chicks wrote fuck george bush songs um, yeah but were they and, on the and nose green day the- oh says uh green day's lyric was zieg heil to the president gas man yeah, and so I was curious about that because I think American Idiot is one of those albums that is like we all think like oh this is a big like political statement and then you as we were talking about it in our episode it kind of never flat out says where it lies there other than it's very interpreted but we all kind of know where what they're talking about but it kind of not to say and i don't think calling something music sterile is a bad thing but i understand for some people that is always going to be a negative calling music sterile um but i do think uh an album like american idiot takes its political message and instead of just coming out and saying putting it on the table saying this is what we believe they kind of sterilized it for the mass market to where I guarantee you there's people who disagree with that message who like songs off that album and they have reached them just because they haven't flat out said it. And I think that's, you know, interesting because maybe then you're kind of educating them or you're allowing somebody who has shut themselves off to, uh, you know, opinions that clash with their own to now they are hearing it unexpectedly and maybe they're going to be more open to it without even realizing. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the idea of somebody listening to American idiot. That's like very, that was like maybe very much a, a Bush supporter and having those songs stuck in their head. Like, damn it. It's just so catchy. <laughs> well, or them kind of thinking about it more and realizing what the message is or could be. And maybe that changes somebody's opinion that might make it an even better form of a protest song at that point right so absolutely i think that's probably the point yeah i mean we're talking about artists so they're you know artists have always felt a certain responsibility to express their opinion on the environment that they're involved in and when there are large political problems going on that's when these protest songs are you know really fruitful yeah. So they're absolutely. expressing, they're commenting on. So like, there's a quote, uh, a video of Bob Dylan saying, like, uh, in reference to, um, I can't remember what's the song that we were talking about. Bob Dylan. Oh, times they are changing. He was like, yeah, I don't really want this to be a political statement, um, but but if you want to talk to the interviewer, if you want to run with this and say that you know your opinion is that it is a very political song, then okay, go for it. But I just wrote the song and expressed myself. I don't want it to be an anthem. And I think another thing, uh, kind of the last thing I had to say about protest music or political music as a whole is personally, it gave me, you know, as I said, I didn't know what that picture on the front of Rage Against the Machine self-titled was. Now I know very much that that is a super extreme statement. Um, And then also understanding their lyrics and what they mean. Um, And then also, you know, I learned a ton of things like the Armenian genocide. Uh, I didn't know what Tiananmen Square was. And I learned those all from uh, System of a Down, even though they like to say that they're not a a super political band. They just happen to have political leanings in their music. I learned so much from them 
And like to this day, I don't know if I would have heard, heard about the Armenian genocide without that band. Them them calling themselves not a political band sounds like a load of horseshit to me. Yeah, that, like <laughs> that sounds like um, like John Oliver pretending he's not doing some kind of journalistic anything yeah. on his show, and he's like, "Well, I'm just a comedian. I just make jokes about you know shit, and uh, yeah, people laugh fucked. about it." Yeah, it's it's so weird because it's like System of a Down will have like silly and 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 uh, dare I say maybe grotesque songs at times, but they also have incredibly politically charged songs i mean like most of their incredibly emotional songs are about political things except i mean maybe lonely day is about that i think that that song is also just not one of their most emotional just that's the first one everyone's going to talk about is lonely day um but yeah i mean like like soldier side that that's it that's an incredibly emotional song uh so i i yeah for them to call themselves that maybe it's just like a thing so they're like we're not a political band stop talking to us about it uh maybe it's that and maybe maybe you know i can understand having an opinion on the landscape and not wanting the responsibility of being a voice for it right that makes sense yeah i i think what i was just basically trying to say is that it protest music serves a lot of things and at very face level it gives an artist a way to express you know, it, it is a therapeutic exercise for them. Um, yeah. But then also as a young fan, I learned a ton about the world that I probably would have never heard about if it weren't for them. So I think it, it serves a lot of value. And even if protests, you don't want that in your music per se. I mean, it's there, even if you don't know it's there. If you listen to Kendrick Lamar uh, just for the raw emotion, I mean, you're listening to, you know, charged lyrics. I mean, his album, Damn, starts with, you know, what was it, like a Fox News report, you know, shaming him, yeah. that kind of shit. I mean, it's there. But yeah, um, I think it's super cool and super important. I don't, you know, shout out to people. I don't know how you write that kind of music. I mean, it's, it, it is hard to not be, um, I guess, really on the nose about that. Yeah, one of my favorite examples of uh, maybe not necessarily... It's hard to just to label something protest music. I, I struggle with that sometimes. But uh, the lead singer of the band, the Canadian band, the tragically hip, Gord Downey. <clears throat> actually, it's the, I think, three-year anniversary of his, of his passing. He had some pretty gnarly brain cancer. But he... Um, his last project was this album called Secret Path. And it was about the, like the bottom half of Canada is really well connected and you know populated and every it's metropolitan areas, but then the far northern area of Canada, there's an entire, um, you know, group of people of Native Canadians that don't get paid attention to in any legislature or anything like that, and so his last concert, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was in the audience. And this guy who was doing his last show ever after a 40 or 50 year career with his band, he put a spotlight on the prime minister of Canada and said, um, Hey, we have a problem. And basically my dying wish is that you fix this problem. And I, I think you're the guy to do it. So make sure you take care of that after I'm gone. <laughs> and then his last album was about this kid who, uh, got shipped shipped off to like some sort of boarding school and really didn't like it there as a native Canadian. He felt he did, he was discriminated against with all the other, you know, uh, Canadians. 
they didn't understand his culture. And so he tried to walk home. Like he escaped the the place and tried to walk home and died on the way. So Gord Danny wrote an entire album about it called The Secret Path. And there's a, there's, I think there's a documentary that goes along with it. But it's, in a way, you could say that that's protest music, but in a very Canadian way. <laughs> in, in the, in the, in the, I'm sorry. I mean, you got to speak I'm, to your I'm, audience, right? Yeah, in the, in <laughs> exactly. the, I'm, I'm so sorry I'm protesting way. I'm so sorry I'm protesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't, I don't mean to get in your, I'm so sorry, but I, I do have to protest here, but I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But the, you know, there's a problem, but I'm sorry about it. I'm sorry for, to point it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it serves a purpose. Absolutely. Um, I think to kind of wrap it up, I mean, Dave, you just gave a good example of protest music, but other than the stuff that we were talking about, um, my favorite, what I would call political or protest music, uh, mentioned them many a times, Idols. I love them. New album out right now. They're fucking Fuck great. Yeah. Um, Fuck yeah. And then also uh, there's a band called AJJ, who I really like. They had an, uh, which is on my top five, of the year um they had an album come out at the beginning of this year called good luck everybody and man it has only gotten more and more potent as the year goes on and you know we're all in the u.s at least you know and i think the whole world really because everybody's watching us it's not this is not isolated at all but uh you know having those you know when i'm feeling kind of pent up and don't know how to um release that kind of emotion you know without a negative like in a positive way um listening to ajj or idols really helps me with that it makes me feel you know inspired to actually act on what i'm feeling and then also does not have me uh slamming my fingers on a keyboard at uh distant relatives so yeah I, I i'll add one more one more band you can listen to called girlwood g-r-l wood uh they they definitely are a little bit different they're a punk band they're a little bit different in terms of how they do protest music but i definitely like like for example one of their songs is called vaccines made me gay um so it's that kind of thing where it's like we're going to talk about how ridiculous this is um and we're gonna and like another one of their songs just is just called bisexual so it's a lot about like sexual identity gender identity uh, maybe making fun of some stuff, but it definitely is. It, it leans more towards like the social idea of protest. Um, so yeah, go listen to some protest music, feel some stuff. Yeah. I, I do also, I, I guess while we're talking about it, I was listening to a uh, idols interview. Um, and one of the things that apparently they get a lot because the whole band are middle-class white men and they get uh you know they get slammed with the idea that they're just sloganeering and that like hey you're middle class you don't truly understand what it's like to be you know uh, a blue collar worker and you know their thought on the matter was hey you're right if it i did go to college i do have these things that work for me i did grow up in a house that my mom owned all that kind of stuff you're right uh I do have these things, but that being said, I still feel I have the right to say I see the world for what it is, and I believe we can do better. And just because I benefit from these things doesn't mean that I don't want better for everyone, and and even for things that might not apply to them. And 
also they did say they understand the sentiment and if you're somebody who is in a far less uh, fortunate s- situation as them uh, and says hey fuck you you have no idea what it's like to me- be me they say you're right we don't and we totally get it if you don't like right. our music that is okay we understand that we're not trying yeah. to take that away I think such a, such an important thing to say with that also is what I mentioned earlier with Stevie Nicks. It's like if you have a voice and you feel comfortable using it, even it, like like you know being being a white male, sometimes I feel like maybe I shouldn't talk about certain things. But at the same time, I am a white male, so me I I, I people listen sometimes to white men, and, and and sometimes it's a good thing for us who have the privilege to talk about the things that are happening in the world. So uh, bands like idols, that's a great thing. That's an amazing thing that, you know, even they, they recognize the privilege they have and they're willing to talk about it and they're willing to try to make a change. Yeah. I think it takes so much work to get to a point where you feel that you know how to express your opinion on that. If you Mm -hmm. are a privileged person or, you know, like us, we're four white males. If if we're in this thing, like you shouldn't feel guilted into expressing a a half baked opinion, right? It takes a lot of work. It's like learn about your privilege, figure out how you benefit from it, and you know fully form an idea before you express your opinion on it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Hey! 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 Listen. Hagen, you I'm, go not first. First. I'm not going first. I'm not going first. I'm not going first. That's not I'll happening. Go first. I'm going last. I'll go first. Uh, I this week I've been listening to. I mentioned them earlier. I've been listening to um, the Tragically Hip in celebration of the lead singer's passing, and I've also been listening to Shania Twain, Hanson, and the Backstreet Boys. Hey, that is the weirdest way for you to say that the celebration of the anniversary of his death. That is the weirdest way for you to say that. That was very Dave stiff cornery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying like in celebration of his life. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. Week, it's the week of his passing. I, I understand. Yeah. It was just, it, it, it was like, it, it, it came off as a, no, it didn't come off that way. I'm just being a dick. Never mind. Next person. Well, no, I said it that way so that I could also tell you guys that I'm listening to Shania Twain, Hanson and the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> So you could you could bury that at the end. Yeah, it was real spoopy. So thank you, Dave. What I've been listening to is both something Adam. I think if you don't already listen to them, you would love this album. And Dave, just go ahead and turn your ears off for right now because you would hate this. Um, there's a Japanese band who's no longer a band called Fishmans, and they have this album called Long Season, which is just one 30-minute song. And man, it is like some of the coolest 90s sounding like instrumental and kind of, I don't know, it just kind of reminds me of like that Adult Swim music, Boards of Canada type stuff, but it also has dub influences and yeah, I I don't know. Uh, If you haven't listened to Fishman's, they are, their career is wild. I've been listening to them all week, but their album Long Season is something I think in particular Adam should listen to. And now, Dave, you can turn your ears back on. <laughs> what? <laughs> what about you, Adam? Uh, I've been listening to a singer-songwriter uh, from England that I found through watching a show called Ted Lasso, which if nobody has watched that, you should watch it. It like, might be the best show of the year. 
it's so good and it's a bill lawrence show and i love bill lawrence and it's great yeah it's it's what we need in 2020 it is uh, especially right now uh so this guy's uh music was in one of the episodes and i just really like that one segment i heard and listened to his uh most recent album his name is michael kiwanuka i think is how you say his name um and he just won a uh the mercury prize last month actually so i feel like i found it at a good time because it's the album <laughs> that he just won for so uh hey, i i don't hey hagan before you go can uh i just go ahead and pierce dave's heart real quick and uh i have not listened to dawes and i know that adam probably not either that is true Dude, that's why I've been listening to Shania Twain, Hanson, and the Backstreet Boys because my fiance was like, "Can we just like, I, I, can we take a break?" And I'm like, "All right, so let's listen to like some different stuff." Man, I told my girlfriend today. I said, "Oh yeah, the Mountain Goats are coming out with a new record on Friday," and she just like, I saw her face just like, just droop and go fuck. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. <laughs> Uh, Adam, I was gonna say I don't, I don't, I haven't looked into who does like who who chooses the music for uh, Ted Lasso, but it is a Bill Lawrence show. He did Scrubs, and a lot of the music decisions were his wife, um, Krista Miller, who made a lot of the choices because she's like BFFs with a lot of indie people, and then Zach Braff yeah, helped too. Fits. But uh, but she makes she made a lot of decisions for Scrubs, so it it would make a lot of sense if she was the was if she was the decision. If you watch anything Bill Lawrence does, the music's gonna be good. Even if you don't like the show, you're gonna be like, oh, cool. This is like this is very fitting and perfect music for this. Yeah, and the music is spot on, basically everywhere. Um, yeah, every episode, and the show is great, so everybody should watch it. It's a very good show. Hagen, I think that reminds me of my favorite protest song, which is TLC's No Scrubs, which most people don't know is actually a protest against the shitty show Scrubs. You're a jackass. Uh, funny story <laughs> about that song. Uh, I joined a cover band years ago and was learning songs for the gig, and I was learning that song, No Scrubs. And at the time, I didn't have <laughs> my driver's license, and I was like learning the bass line, not paying attention to the lyrics, and slowly realizing that I was like, oh, oh, this song is like me. It's about me. <laughs> and I texted the band leader and I was like, hey, No Scrubs is like about me. <laughs> and he started, <laughs> he started laughing. And our first gig, uh, he was like, he's like, hey, we're going to play this song called No Scrubs. And uh, it perfectly describes our bass player's life. And I didn't have a microphone. And I was like, well, that's not cool. <laughs> I just look like a fucking loser right now. Hanging in the passenger side of his best friend's ride. I can't afford a car. <laughs> Dave, is that how you felt uh, when we when you first joined Moniker? And I would say before we played the song "She's Fine," which you were not in the band when we wrote that, and I'd say uh, our bassist wrote this song, and then we'd start it. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I, <laughs> at, I want a microphone just to defend myself. <laughs> that's yeah. that's every bass player's dream. Yeah, is it my turn again? Do it. What you got? Are we doing a new episode? No, uh, I, I, I'm stoked. I'm very excited because I'm bringing back America's favorite segment that I'm renaming now. It's called Belly Flop because we do deep dives and then we do shallow dives, and this is a belly flop. Jackson doesn't like it. Uh, I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> I don't have like a it. belly. I, I don't think are... I like it, but I might, <laughs> I might in a week. 
a very divided podcast. So I, 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 I will stand by the fact that I gave Jackson shit for the mini deep dive, but uh, I did one this week. Uh, it was perfect for me. I needed it. Uh, I was learning a lot of music for other gigs and doing a lot of other stuff, and I needed this 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 kind of other thing to do uh, during it, just other music to listen to. So I did a mini deep dive on Run the Jewels. Um, so uh, if you'll give me 30 seconds for an intro and then one minute per album, I think I can do less, I think, and then I'll take 30 seconds on the outro as well. Okay, and... Okay, so Run the Jewels is a hip-hop supergroup duo consisting of LP, short for El Producto, and Killer Mike. Uh, LP was a staple in the alternative hip-hop scene, and Killer Mike rose to fame featuring on Outkast songs. He got signed by T.I., and he also is a social and political activist, so very relevant for our topic today. The two were introduced to each other by an Adult Swim vice president named Jason DeMarco. Uh, from there, they worked, on each other's, they worked on each other's music together. They released an album, they toured, and then RTJ was formed. Nailed it. Okay. All right. Quick, before before you next start the next one, I have a game for everybody. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> this is also called How Dave and Adam Get Drunk in Six Minutes. <laughs> On a Monday night. Here we go. Okay. So, uh, this I, I'm not going to give you multiple choice for some of these. Some of these I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go off the cuff. It, it's quick. So if you don't want to take a shot, if you don't want to answer, that's okay. But here's the here's the first game. The name, Run the Jewels. Can you name the hip-hop artist that wrote the song where that name comes from? There's a hip-hop artist from the 80s, 90s, very popular. We reference him every single week. Jackson, do you know? Uh, fuck. No clue. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. Anybody have a guess? Uh, I'll say... We don't reference him every week, but it sounds like an LL Cool J lyric. Boom! You nailed it. Is that? <laughs> am I right? It. Yep, Jackson. I'll that was a clue for you. That was a clue for you. With the re- we reference him every week with the air horn. LL Cool J <laughs> has a song called Cheesy Rat Blues, and they took the name Run the Jewels from that song. Okay, I'm still doing a shot. <laughs> uh, and time. Okay, Run the Jewels one. So every single album is just Run the Jewels and then the, and then a number. Uh, their first album was released 2013. It was released as a free download. Uh, reviewed and received insanely well. Became an instant success. The album sets the stage beautifully for what's to come. It is no question a good album. The two already know each other very, very well from their past. They toured together. They wrote together. And they had a successful career before that. So it's just beginning. Uh, it's just like it's even past the beginnings of their relationship. The album features a lot of great artists. All their albums do. This one features uh, Big Boy. Uh, and many others. This is the first one that comes to mind. Um, not like they need the guests, though, because they are so, so good. Uh, there's something very important to be said about the lyrics on every single one of these albums, but I don't have the time to talk about every single lyric on every single album. Can you do the game? Game time. Here we go. So, true you or have, false? You have 14, you have 13 seconds. I'm done with that album. True okay. or false? So, uh, did Run the Jewels feature a single on the Adult Swim singles program album? True. Probably. Yes, yeah. they did. You it's can't say probably. <laughs> yes, they did. They did do that indeed. You don't have to take a shot, Dave. You got it right. I'm just pouring a shot. <laughs> Am I ready for the second one? 
And go. In 2014, one year later, a little bit more than that, they released RTJ2, Run the Jewels 2. This album receives even more critical acclaim, getting a lot of very positive reviews for its production and lyrical content specifically. It's important to note that Killer Mike and LP are doing most of everything on their own. So all the lyrics are, and production are basically just done by the two, except for the these two brothers named Little Shalimar and Wilder Zobi. Don't know much about them right now, but they are very, very important to the sound. So again, a lot of features. This brings in Zach De La Rocha as a, as, a, as a feature in a lot of their albums. Travis Barker's on this album, and it brings the question, why? Can you even tell it's him? The song is still really, really good. Uh, Gangsta Boo is my favorite feature on this album. The song is uh, fucking hilarious that she is on. Very, very funny. All right, game time. Uh, oh, I should also mention that album is incredibly dark. Uh, very, it was, it was, it was applauded for how dark the lyrical content is and the music and the production. Okay, so a remix album of Run the Jewels Two was composed entirely of dog or cat sounds. Which one? I know this one. Uh, it's yeah, a cat. Yeah, cat. Boom! Nice job, cat sounds. Okay, so Run and... the Jewels. Go. Run the Jewels 3 comes out at the end of 2016 digitally, beginning of 2017 physically. Uh, it sold like crazy, peaked at the 13, the Billboard charts. And again, amazing uh, features on it. A lot of great artists were on this album and on every single one. I keep talking about it, but it's so amazing every time you look at the list. Uh, it, didn't, it wasn't reviewed as well as Run the Jewels 2, but it was still reviewed very well. I personally like this album a lot more than Run the Jewels 2. Um, so here's where I found the answer to the question that I had the entire time about the album art for you, for people who don't know. The album art is the same on every single album. It is a finger gun pointing at a fist. So here's a quote for us. Run the jewels one hands. The hands were about taking what's yours. Oh, sorry. I should also mention the fist was holding a chain in the first two albums and the third one, not holding a chain for us. Run the jewels one hands down was about taking what's yours, your world, your life, your attitude, run the jewels two. hands were wrapped in bandages, signifying injury and healing. For us, represented growth and ideas for, of that album. Run the Jewels 3, the bandages are off, the chain is gone, and the hands have been transformed into gold. For us, this represents the idea there is nothing to take that exists outside of yourself. You are the jewel. Love this and album. time. <sighs> Dude, take a breath. You are killing it right now. Okay, so, um, uh, game. This, if, if someone gets this right... Without a guess, I applaud you. Uh, what recent video game uses three songs from this album? The new Tony Hawk, Among Us, Rogue Company, or Valorant? Um, new Tony Hawk. I'll go Tony Hawk. That sounds right. I don't know. It's a game called Rogue Company, and this is the funny story about this, is that I played this game when it was in beta a few months ago, and I was like, wow, this music is very, very good. And then I listened to Run the Jewels 3 this week, and I was like, what the fuck? That's this <laughs> music? Um, okay. Want to take your shot, and then... Take the shot. Here we go. Okay, and go. Okay, so Run the Jewels 4 comes out. Uh, before I get into that, I want to say really quickly those two brothers I mentioned earlier from Run the Jewels 2, they are officially uh, co-producers from Run the Jewels 3 and Run the Jewels 4. They are now an important part of the sound. So Run the Jewels 4 is released this year, 2020. Uh, widespread immediate success. Debuts at number 10 on the Billboard. Insane features. Pharrell, 2 Chains, Josh Homme's on it, and Zach De La Roche is on it. The album was originally going to come out in June uh, on June 5th, but they released it days early because of the protests. Uh, 
Killer Mike came out saying, fuck it, why wait? The world is infested with bullshit, so here's something raw to listen to while you deal with it all. We hope it brings you some joy. Stay safe and hopeful out there. Thank you for giving two friends the chance to be heard and do what they love with sincere love and gratitude, Jamie and Mike. Also during this time, Killer Mike was giving amazing speeches at these protests. If you have not go watch those speeches, go watch those speeches. Um, I listened to this album also two times in a row. Okay, game. Here we go. So, Zach De La Rocha has been on three of their four albums. Which one is he not on? The first one, second one, third one, or fourth one? Second. First. First. First one. He is not on the first one. Okay. Can I get an in conclusion? I, I should be able to finish this pretty quickly. Do you want uh, one minute? 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay, one sec. <laughs> okay, go. Okay, so in conclusion, I needed this belly flop. It was the perfect break from the same shit I've been listening to and from all the busyness and insaneness that's going on in my life right now. All that aside, this is like some of the best hip-hop you can ever listen to. These four albums are gold. The songwriting, production, lyrics. There's not a dull moment. You will not be bored. If you are bored, come talk to me and let's figure out what's wrong with you. Um, yeah, please go listen to these albums. I, I, this, is, this, is my, this is my life in terms of listening right now. Thank you, everybody. Good job. Catch your breath. I mean, I I certainly, my heart is racing, and I remember how it felt to be where you are right now. I'm sure you're sweaty. Uh, Your pits are sweating. Your heart's racing. I'm sweaty. Yeah, (laughs) we all are. Uh, Hagen, I got one question for you just to wrap up your your belly flop, as I so lovingly love that. Um, (laughs) What band was Run the Jewels scheduled to open for on their 2020 tour, which obviously has been postponed slash canceled. And I'm not referring to the 2018 Lord Melodrama tour, which they opened up for. I don't know the answer to that. It was Rage Against the Machine. I was going to say Rage Against the Machine. That would make sense. Yep. Very good. I I lose lose my game. The Run the Jewels... uh, tiny desk it's really cool yeah so i i haven't i haven't done a lot of like outside listening and outside watching i did like my research on who they are as a band and who they are as people and i left out a lot of stuff but um i mean you don't need the extra stuff i'm sure it's amazing because they're amazing but um i i i just loved these albums but spe- specifically run the jewels three run the jewels four those ones were um absolute gold Oh, I also should mention, Mom, don't listen to that song I mentioned from the one artist, from the one feature. Don't listen to that one. Please don't listen to that one. Just don't. It's not, it's not, it's not mother appropriate. Well, thank you, uh, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll yeah. wrap that up for this week. You can find us on Instagram, uh, OnlyFans. I don't know. Where are we? Uh, you can uh, find us at vote.org where everybody should go find out where to go vote. Yeah, yeah. Vote. Just, just go do vote. That. Go vote. That's that's definitely uh, that's definitely the big one. You can find us n- not at, at you know go vote, but you you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and and, and Facebook and all that sort of stuff. Um, and Spotify, Spotify, all your we're favorite Spotify. Podcast. Yeah, wherever you listen to us, you know where you found us. Tell your friends. Uh, it, it, follow us. Subscribe to us. We really appreciate you guys listening. Send and us messages. Sure. Yeah, you can send us messages. Um, and you can you can find me at my house. Um, you can not follow me there. That would be great. Appreciate it. Um, and uh, thank you guys. We'll see you next time. And remember, fuck off. Give me a dial. <laughs> <laughs>